Welcome to Christchurch Manchester Sermon Podcast. CCM is one church that meets every Sunday in various locations across Manchester. For more information about who we are or about our Sunday meetings, please visit www.christchurchmanchester.com. Well, good evening, everyone, and welcome to our Good Friday service this evening. It's great to have so many of you log in this evening and join with us here as we remember uh, what Jesus did for us on the cross uh, this Good Friday. Uh, normally, each year as a church, we do this uh, as, a, as a service in person. We have it at Luther King House. It's a great time. But for obvious reasons, we can't do that in person this year. So we're doing it online. Uh, so we're going to make the best of that this evening. Um, some of you may have joined from South Manchester Family Church. This is a joint service this evening between CCM, the five sites of CCM, and South Manchester Family Church. So if you're here from South Man or you're here from any of the sites of CCM, you are very, very welcome. It's great that you could join with us. Also, if you've joined from another church or you're a guest or just looking in, again, you're very welcome to join with us here this evening for this Good Friday service. Now, just let, before we begin, I'm just going to explain who's on the screen in front of you. So uh, my name is Andy. I'm one of the leaders here at CCM. I lead the, the Kingsway site at Christchurch uh, Manchester. I'm going to be hosting your evening this evening. I'm also joined by Bill and Claire Biggs. They're part of the team at the Kingsway site of CCM as well. Give us a wave, Bill and Claire. Hi. Great, uh, great that you could join us this evening. We're also joined by uh, Andy Wisdom. Andy helps to lead the Fallowfield site of CCM. Andy's going to be preaching to us in a little bit. How are you doing this evening, Andy? I'm not bad, thanks, Andy. Yeah, I've enjoyed the sun today in my garden. It's been nice. It's great. It has been a lovely sunny day. I hope you've all been able to, to enjoy the sun yourselves. And uh, final screen is uh, we have Rosie and Beth. Uh, they're also from Fallowfield. They're going to be leading us in some worship uh, later in the evening. The telltale clue is the guitar and the microphone right in front mm -hmm. of her. So how are you guys doing today? Good, yeah, good. Yeah, good. Great. Well, we're looking forward to, looking forward to hearing more from you, from you guys uh, uh, later on. Um, we're also going to be joined in the service by a few Bible readers. So we're going to bring those in onto your screen as they're about to do their Bible reading and kind of send them off afterwards. So uh, yeah, don't be surprised. There will be a few extra people coming in. We're going to be joined by Dana uh, from our Gorton site of CCM and uh, also Marika from uh, South Manchester Family Church. They're going to be joining us and doing some of our Bible readings. So this evening, what we're going to do, uh, we're going to have a service. It's going to be no longer than an hour, not too long. Uh, we're going to have some prayers. Uh, we're going to have some songs of worship. We're going to have some Bible readings. And Andy's going to do a short talk for us uh, this evening. And, and really, our hope is that everything we do this evening uh, helps us to focus our minds and focus our hearts on the, the significance and the the, the magnitude of what Jesus did by dying on the cross 2,000 years ago and, and what that means for us. It's no understatement to say that this is the most important event in history. And, and we remember it this evening, and that is what Good Friday is all about. So that's our hope for the service here this evening. Now, enough for me. Uh, we're going to get our service started, and I'm going to hand over to Claire, who's going to open our service in prayer. Over to you, Claire. Yeah, Lord God, we want to uh, remember this evening 
what Jesus did on the cross. We come to you and we thank you uh, for Jesus. Thank you that he was obedient to death on a cross. Lord, I thank you that uh, by his obedience, it means that we can be reconciled to God, that we can um, know God, have relationship with him. Lord, I thank you that when Jesus died on the cross, the veil in the temple was torn in two. Uh, the thing that separated us from God was taken away. And Lord, I thank you that that means that we can come to know God for ourselves. And Father, at this Easter weekend, there's, there's not very many places that we can actually physically go. Um, I want to remember that we can come to you, Lord God, that Jesus made that way open for us to be able to come into the presence of God, uh, the creator of all things, and to call him our Father. Lord, I thank you that it's the cross of Jesus that achieved this. Lord, that nothing we could have done or nothing we could have deserved or earned, but the cross of Jesus given freely as a gift to us that we could know God. And Lord, we come this evening and we remember that and we come this evening and we say thank you. Amen. Great. Thanks, Claire. Phil's going to do uh, the first of our, our three Bible readings this evening, which is from uh, Matthew chapter 26 verse 36 to 39. You, you may want to follow along in your Bibles or feel free to just listen as, as Phil reads. So over to you, Phil. This is from Matthew 26. Then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to them, sit here while I go over there and pray. He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him and he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Going a little farther, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed, my father, if it's possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. Thanks, Phil. Rosie's now going to come and uh, Rosie and Beth are now going to come and lead us in a, a song of, of worship. The, the words should appear on your screen. Um, I really want to encourage you to sing along at home, wherever you are. Um, but if you prefer to just read the words again, that's absolutely, absolutely fine. So over to you, Rosie and Beth. Thanks, Rosie. That was that was great. Uh, we're now going to have our second Bible reading this evening, which is from Matthew chapter 22, verses 47 to 56. And we've, uh, we're pleased to have Dana, who's come in to join with us this evening to do that reading. Uh, so Matthew chapter 26, verse 47 to 56, if you're reading along in your Bibles. Over to you, Dana. While he was still speaking, Judas, one of the twelve, arrived. With him was a large crowd armed with swords and clubs sent from the chief priests and the elders of the people. Now the betrayer had arranged a signal with them. The one I kiss is the man, arrest him. Going at once to Jesus, Judas said, greetings rabbi, and kissed him. Jesus replied, do what you came for friend. Then the men stepped forward, seized Jesus and arrested him. With that, one of Jesus' companions reached for him, reached for his sword, drew it out and struck the servant of the high priest, cutting off his ear. Put your sword back in its place, Jesus said to him, for all who draw the sword will die by the sword. 
Do you think I cannot call on my father and he will at once put at my disposal more than 12 legions of angels? But how then would the scriptures be fulfilled that say it must happen in this way? In that hour, Jesus said to the crowd, am I leading a rebellion that you have come out with swords and clubs to capture me? Every day I sat in the temple courts teaching and you did not arrest me. But this has all taken place that the writings of the prophets might be fulfilled. Then all the disciples deserted him and fled. Thanks, Dana. That's, that's great. We're going we're gonna to sing again. Uh, we're going to sing another song. So we're going to hand back uh, to Rosie and Beth to lead us in worship again. Thanks, Dana. Great. Thanks, Rosie. That's great. We're going to have our, our third and final Bible reading uh, this evening before Andy comes and speaks to us. And we've brought in Marika from uh, South Manchester Family Church. She's going to read for us this final uh, passage. It's from Matthew chapter 27, verses 45 to 50. So over to you, Marika. From the sixth hour till the ninth hour, darkness came over all the land. About the ninth hour, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When some of those standing there heard this, they said, he's calling Elijah. Immediately, one of them ran and got a sponge. He filled it with wine vinegar, put it on a staff and offered it to Jesus to drink. The rest said, now leave him alone. Let's see if Elijah comes to save him. And when Jesus had cried out again in a loud voice, he gave up his spirit. Thanks, Marika. That's great. Thank you. We're going to hand over now to Andy, who's going to, to preach to us this evening. Over to you, Andy. All right. Thank you. Thank you, other Andy, uh, for that introduction. Um, hi, if you don't know me, my name's also Andy, and I can usually be found um, at the Fallowfield site of Christchurch Manchester. And it is a great joy to be uh, preaching to you this evening. Uh, on Good Friday. Um, and I guess uh, whatever your intentions are in logging in and tuning into uh, kind of tune into this service this evening, whatever your intentions may be, I want to thank you in advance if you choose to listen to what I'm going to say for the next 15, 20 minutes. I think this is life changing stuff. Uh, but I wonder what comes to mind when you hear the word God forsaken? God forsaken isn't a pleasant word. It's a word you might use to describe something that is lost or terrible or beyond repair or without merit. When we think of the cross of Jesus Christ, I think that word could take on a whole new meaning. I wonder whether you ever feel like you have been forsaken. Being forsaken, it's, it's not a word that we use very often these days. Another word might be abandoned. Do you ever feel forsaken or abandoned? Maybe whether uh, if you're a Christian and you believe in God, have you ever felt like actually how, like God has abandoned you or forsaken you? This evening on Good Friday, I want to focus on some of the final words that Jesus says before he dies on the cross. We heard them read out just a moment ago in Matthew 27 verse 46. We heard them first in Aramaic and then in English. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? What we have here is a prayer. This is Jesus, who is God the Son, talking to God the Father. And specifically, the kind of prayer it is, is it's a why prayer, right? And let's be really honest with one another. How many of us can relate 
to praying a prayer that includes the word why. I know I can. God, why is this thing happening? Why is this thing not happening? Jesus Christ in this moment on the cross is perhaps the most excruciating moment in scripture. It's also quite relatable, isn't it? To kind of illustrate this, there's a, a story of two US fighter pilots in the Second World War who, uh, who left their aircraft carrier to embark on a mission. And when they returned to the coordinates of their aircraft carrier, it was nighttime and they couldn't see the carrier anywhere. Now, what had happened is because of an enemy threat, the captain of the aircraft carrier had decided to uh, command a complete blackout of the ship. With fuel reserves depleting very quickly, the pilots begged over the radio for the captain to give them just a little bit of light so that they could land. But he refused and they were forced to down their planes in the sea. As Jesus hangs on the cross in this, his darkest hour, he calls to God the Father for help, but no help comes. He begs for some light. All he can see is darkness. My God, my God, he says, why have you forsaken me? When it all gets too much for us and when life gets increasingly worse instead of better and we find ourselves overwhelmed, I think we all actually at some point find ourselves asking some form of that exact question. And the question I want to ask tonight and answer for you is, have we been forsaken by God? This evening, I want to show you that the Bible's answer to that question is a, and Good Friday's answer to that question actually, is a resounding no. God has not forsaken us. God has not abandoned us. And there is no better place to see this truth than at the cross of Christ, where Jesus was forsaken so that we might never have to be. First thing I want to show you from this passage is something that I think is really quite obvious when we read those words of Jesus. And it's that Jesus knows what being forsaken is like. Jesus had 12 disciples. If you know all their names, good for you. Uh, I, I can't remember them all off the top of my head, but he has these 12 people who uh, for three years of his ministry went everywhere with him. They, uh, they were with him when he did his ministry. They ate in the same places as he did. They stayed in the same places as he did. Three years. And yet in the space of probably three days, 100% of those disciples had forsaken Jesus. A lot of that is recorded in the Bible readings we heard uh, from the Gospel of Matthew just a moment ago. But first, as you probably know, Jesus was forsaken by Judas. If somebody calls you a Judas, that's not a compliment, is it? Because Judas famously betrayed Jesus. But actually, he was only the first to forsake Jesus. For a few coins, Judas gives Jesus up to the guards. But what we can easily forget is that Judas was one of the twelve. He was there when Jesus fed the 5,000. He was there when Jesus cleansed people of leprosy. He was there when Jesus sent the disciples out to do ministry themselves. And yet still, Jesus was forsaken by Judas for some coins. But next in the story, Jesus is forsaken by the rest of the group of disciples. We heard the very last thought of the story where Jesus is arrested in the Garden of Gethsemane. The last thing it says in that part of the narrative is that the disciples all deserted him and fled. They ran for the hills, not wanting to get arrested themselves. They deserted Jesus. And then finally, to add insult to injury, Jesus is forsaken by Peter. 
Peter, who's often considered his closest disciple, his closest friend, the one to whom in Matthew's gospel, Jesus said, on this rock, I will build my church. And yet Peter's the one who three times says, I don't even know the man when he's asked about Jesus. Jesus knew what it was like to have all of your friends desert you, abandon you, forsake you. But Jesus knew what it meant to be forsaken on a much deeper level than that. My God, my God, he says, why have you forsaken me? Jesus quotes here from Psalm chapter 22, verse 1, a psalm which, if you read it, is in the Old Testament. You'll see is prophetically describing exactly what will happen to Jesus, shockingly accurately, actually, about a thousand years before it does. It would be easy to think that, a bit like the author of this psalm, Jesus just feels forsaken on the cross. God the Father could, he could never truly abandon or forsake his son, right? Surely not. But actually, of of course, Jesus feels abandoned on the cross. But that's because he has been forsaken. There's a scene in one of the Harry Potter films, which I think illustrates this point really well. And if you haven't seen the film, it doesn't matter at all. But this scene in Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire um, is a scene where Barty Crouch, who is a judge, learns in the courtroom that his son, whose name is Barty Crouch Jr., helpfully, is guilty of this whole string of heinous crimes, which, is, uh, which includes but is not limited to mass murder. And Barty Crouch Jr., the son who's played by David Tennant, tries to flee the courtroom. He's been found out, but he's captured and he's brought before his father, who's the judge. And he looks his father in the eye and he says, hello, father. And the judge looks back at him with this icy glare. And he says, you are no son of mine. If we're going to understand what actually happens at the cross, what happened on the first Good Friday, we have to understand what actually happened to Jesus to cause him to cry, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? The Bible tells us that when Jesus was on the cross, the sin of the world was placed onto him, piled onto him. Sin is the attitude of our hearts, which causes us to seek and gratify ourselves and our own desires over seeking and worshipping God. And if you've ever in your life put yourself first over everything else, then you know that this is a problem we all have. Isaiah 53, 6, another part of the Bible that's prophesying about Jesus hundreds of years before he comes, says this. We all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. In other words, we all have this sin problem. But he goes on. But the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. And iniquity is just another even posher word for sin. The Lord has laid it on him. Bible says that this sin was piled upon Jesus as he hung upon the cross. My sin, your sin, the sin of everyone who believes in Jesus. That is a lot of sin. 2 Corinthians 5.21 sort of describes what this does to Jesus. It says he became sin for us while he was on the cross in a, in a transaction that only God could see. Jesus became the likeness of sinful humanity. And in this moment when Jesus cries out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It's easy for us to read that as kind of, you know, God has gone away. The father is, is absent. He's run off somewhere. Jesus isn't crying out because God is absent. 
he's crying out because God is present. Jesus is encountering God, not as his loving father, but as the all-powerful judge of the universe who doesn't tolerate sin, whose anger burns against sin, whose perfect justice and holiness means he must punish all sin. The father in this moment looks upon his son, who is still his son because the trinity of father, son and Holy Spirit can't be broken. But the son he is looking upon no longer looks like his perfect beloved son. In the Gospels, we are quite used to hearing Jesus use the Aramaic word Abba when he's speaking to God. It's an intimate word which means dad or daddy or a, a quite an accurate translation is kind of papa. But here, Jesus does not use that word. In Aramaic, instead, we're told exactly what he says. He says, Eloi, Eloi, which means God, high one, holy one, is far less personal, far less intimate. It's as if the father has looked at Jesus covered in sin and has said, you are no son of mine. Because Jesus is covered in sin, the father cannot embrace him in his role as a father. He must forsake him in his role of perfect judge. Donald MacLeod, an author, puts it this way. He says, public though the cry was, it expressed the intensely private anguish of a tension between the sin-bearing son and his heavenly father. The whirlwind of sin at its most dreadful. God forsaken by God. Jesus knows what it means to be forsaken on a much deeper level than we ever could. I mentioned earlier that many of us know what it's like to pray why prayers to God, right? And when we pray these why prayers, why is this happening? Why are things the way they are? Well, hey, look at this. We get to be sure in the midst of our pain that Jesus, who hears our prayers, understands our suffering. He's been there and he's been there in much worse. And although I strongly believe that we should continuously ask God to help us see beyond our own pain, to lift our eyes off of ourselves for a moment and see the bigger picture and to have faith for the glorious pain-free future that God has promised for his people. The truth is that we will all experience moments like this. We are not perfect. And in our imperfection and our limited understanding, we will cry out, why? But we can take comfort knowing that Jesus understands what it's like to cry out in that agony and say, why? Jesus was innocent something we are not, but he was nailed to a cross. But there is another big difference between the why prayers that we pray and the why prayer that Jesus prays on the cross. Because Jesus says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And in this agonizing moment, the silence is deafening as there is no response and the father allows it to happen. But if we pray, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Or whatever language we use to express that sentiment, the answer from the Father is this. I haven't forsaken you. Because of the cross, God has not forsaken us. God has not forsaken me. God has not forsaken you. I want to just spend the last few minutes I've got with you here to tell you two reasons why God has not forsaken you. And both of those come from a verse in the Bible in Romans chapter 6, Romans 6, 23, which says this. It says, 
For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Let me read that again. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. First thing I want to tell you, and I guess this is a thought I want to leave you with, is that God has not forsaken you because your sin has been paid for. A couple of years ago, uh, I was caught speeding. Okay, this is not something I'm proud of. I was traveling at 37 miles per hour in a 30 zone. And because I'd committed a crime, I had to pay a penalty. I received a letter in the, in the, in the mail that said I had to pay a penalty. And it cost me about 80 pounds and four hours one Monday morning on a speed awareness course. As I say, not proud of that at all. But thankfully, the consequences for my actions in that situation were very affordable. The penalty was quite light. Thankfully, praise God, no one was hurt. Nothing went on my criminal record. My car insurance didn't go up. My wallet was just lighter. In other words, it was a light penalty. The Bible teaches that sin against God carries a much, much heavier penalty. Romans 6.23 says, for the wages of sin is death. In other words, what I deserve for choosing to live my life in a way that puts me first instead of God first is death. And not just physical death, that thing we all have to go through where the soul and the body become separate, but spiritual death, where the soul is forever separated from God. The penalty for speeding was bearable, but the idea of taking the punishment for sin is unbearable for me. Maybe it's unbearable for you as well. You know what? It's supposed to be. This is the ultimate price we could ever pay. But here is the greatest news you'll ever hear. The message of Good Friday, of Easter and of the Bible is that this ultimate price has been paid by somebody else. The wages of sin is death, but Jesus Christ has taken those wages for us. I thank God every single day for his incredible undeserved gift of Jesus. God has not forsaken you because your sin has been paid for by Jesus Christ. And the second thing I want to leave you with is that God has not forsaken you because he's given you an incredible free gift. Second half of Romans 6.23 says, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. There's a, a Greek word that the New Testament is written in Greek and the, the Greek word for this free gift is charis and it's where we get our word charity. It's a freely given gift. Usually in the Bible, this word is translated as grace, a gift which is freely given, which cannot be earned. And you know what? If God's generosity in allowing Jesus to pay for our sin wasn't enough, he goes further. There is more. Jesus took our death and gave us life, new life, eternal life. Romans 8:32, speaking about God's generosity, says, He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? In other words, God's generosity knows no end. But any gift that is given has to be accepted. So now God asks us to turn away from our sin and put our faith in Jesus, to declare with our mouths, that Jesus is Lord, that he died for us. He paid for our sin and then he rose again. The firstborn of this new eternal life, which God offers to us through him. If we do that, 
The Bible says we will be saved. Instead of death, we're granted eternal life. A, uh, a preacher named Charles Spurgeon basically summed up what I've been trying to tell you in just a couple of sentences, because he's a copycat and he liked to copy me, all right? And he said this, as to my sin, I hear its harsh accusings no more when I hear Jesus cry, why hast thou forsaken me? I know that I deserve the deepest hell at the hand of God's vengeance, but I'm not afraid. He will never forsake me, for he forsook his son on my behalf. I shall not suffer for my sin, for Jesus has suffered to the full in my place. Just want to finish by saying that if you're, if you're not a Christian and you've come this evening for a reason other than you're part of one of the churches that's gathered this evening, I want to thank you for joining us. Thank you for tuning in. And I wonder if I can challenge you as well. If what I've said is true and Jesus has both paid for your sin and offered you eternal life and given you this opportunity to be saved, what is standing in the way of you putting your faith in him? This message that I've preached today is called the gospel. If it has struck you and you want to know more, you can contact me, contact one of the other uh, leaders at Christchurch Manchester. Or if a friend or a family member invited you to church today, you can talk to them. Just say, tell me more. This matters on an eternal scale. And whether you're a Christian or not, if you've tuned in this evening, you might be wondering why I haven't even mentioned the elephant in the room that's on all of our minds. That's the reason you're listening to me on a screen right now instead of in person. The pandemic that's storming through the world as we speak. But the reason is very simple. You don't need me to tell you about all the things that are changing. But I've just given you a message that has not changed and never will. This is the heart of the Christian faith. God has not forsaken us. And the cross is the greatest proof of this. Jesus knows what it is to suffer. He was forsaken by his father so that he could pay for our sin and he died a brutal death on the cross. But even in death, Jesus was not defeated. In dying, he robbed sin of all its power. And in rising from the dead by the Holy Spirit, he robbed death of all its power. But that's a spoiler. Tune back in on Sunday to hear the next part of the story. We're going to continue in worship, some worship in just a second, but I'm going to pray as we finish. Lord God, I thank you for your incredible plan that allows us to be saved, that allows us to be washed clean, that allows us to have eternal life. Lord Jesus, I thank you for your obedience to the Father. I thank you that you endured the cross. I thank you that you were forsaken so that I could never be forsaken. I pray for everybody who is listening in to this message right now. And I pray you meet us in our homes, minister to us by your Holy Spirit. For those who don't yet know who you are, Lord, I pray that they would find you this Easter weekend. I pray all this in your mighty name, Jesus. Amen. So what we're going to do now is to take a few moments together really to reflect on everything that we've heard about, everything we've been remembering and just really in silence to uh, reflect together and to recall and just to think through uh, that everything Andy said is right, that Jesus was crushed, he was punished, he was pierced uh, for us. So just we'll take a few moments together just in silence to, to remember that together.
Jesus, you came on a mission. Um, and it's a mission that really none of us could ever have taken on. It's an mission which, uh, it kind of blows us away really, Jesus, that uh, you would come and you'd, you'd dwell here and you'd live on earth and then you would go to the cross and you would have all of our wrongdoing laid upon you. And, and by that, you, you satisfy the Father. We know that it was the Father's will, the Father's intent that that would happen. And it does blow us away, Jesus, when we consider just for even a few moments, even in the course of the last sort of 45 minutes, just to consider that you would bear the full pain of that. And Jesus, we just would want to say collectively together right now, we are massively grateful <laughs> um almost beyond words that we can muster we're so grateful for you jesus and we're so grateful that you took the pain of it all upon yourself amen yeah i can't enable my video so i'm going to pray from uh, a blank screen but that's absolutely fine um yes lord jesus i thank you so much so much for the pain you endured and I thank you that when we pray now, you hear us and you get it. Lord, I pray for anybody right now who's listening in, who is feeling in intense pain, in agony right now. Lord, I thank you that you meet us in our pain, you meet us in our agony, and we meet you at the cross. Lord, I pray that you uh, help us this Easter weekend to just be awestruck again at the cross, everything you've done. Lord, I pray that you uh, give us courage to share this incredible message of eternal life, of sin paid for, of death defeated. Give us the boldness to share that with the people we know who don't yet know you. Amen. Yeah, Lord, I want to echo the prayer that Andy prayed earlier that um, because you were forsaken, we don't have to be forsaken and we will never be forsaken, Lord, that we can know God as our Father, that we can approach the King of Kings, the Creator of all things, and call Him Father because of what Jesus did on the cross. And Lord, I want to thank you for that. And Father, I, I just ask that you would help us to realize that again to understand what it means to that we're able to call you father that we can come to you and we can pray our father our father lord thank you so much for the cross thank you for this weekend thank you for this time to remember this to think on it to spend time just reflecting who you are and what you've done we do thank you jesus Father, not even pandemics or coronavirus can stop us from worshipping you, from praising you, for uh, remembering you, for what you have done, Lord, the greatest act in the history of the world. And, and Lord, we, we, we just think back 2,000 years, Lord, uh, even on the cross, there were people who, who mocked you and hurled insults at you, Lord, but you showed love to them, Lord. Because it's those people that you came for. You came to this world to reach those who, 
who, who, who don't believe in you, who mock you, who despise you, Lord. And I just pray this evening that, um, yeah, even this Easter weekend, many, many people would come to know you for the first time. They would put their trust in you for the first time as their Savior, Lord. Yes, Lord, I, I ask for that, Lord. We remember the cross. We remember how amazing it is, the, the magnitude of it, the importance of it for us. Um, and, and for the world, Lord. Um, and Lord, we long for, for your return. We long for you to come again, Father. Amen. We're now going to sing again one more song uh, just before we finish our service. So over to you, Rosie and Beth. One final song to finish. All right. Let's just pray as we finish our service. Father, we thank you for what you did in sending your son to die for us on that cross 2,000 years ago. Lord, the most momentous occasion in the history of the world. Lord, the pain that you went through. Lord, the, the, the difficulty, the anguish, Lord, that you went through for us so that we could be saved, so that we could be redeemed, so that we could be forgiven, Lord. And Lord, there are many people in this world um, 2,000 years ago and also today who, who don't believe in you, who mock you, who, who, who are against you, Lord. But I just thank you that you love them. You want them. You pursue them. You're after them, Lord. And I just pray that many people, again, would come to know you, Father. Thank you for this, this medium of Zoom to do services online and to reach people who maybe we wouldn't normally be able to reach with our in-person services. Thank you for us being able to use this to reach people. Lord, thank you for your death on the cross and what that means for us. Amen. Amen, everyone. Um, that's now the end of our service. But just before we finish, I would love us just to say together the Lord's Prayer. I'm just going to say it. If you want to say it together in your homes, you're very welcome to do that. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen, everyone. Uh, thank you so much for tuning in this evening to this Good Friday service to remember uh, the death of, of Jesus. The only final thing I want to say before we log off from our service this evening is that our Easter Sunday service is this Sunday at half past 10. Half past 10, um, your site leaders or um, pastors of your churches will send you links to that service. That's this Sunday, half past 10. We'd love to see you along there. All that remains for me to say is God bless and have a lovely evening and a lovely Easter weekend. Okay, bye.